Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. I'm Satsunami and joining me for this swan song of a film is the one, the only, Double O Adam. Adam, welcome back. Hello, hello. Greetings and salutations upon this wintry eve. It is indeed a wintry eve. It is freezing, isn't it? It's cold. It's pretty cold in the in the northern climes here. But we shall carry on. We shall endeavour. We shall persevere with our puffer jackets, our masks, our... Wait a minute, sorry. I've got my notes mixed up with the film. <laughs> <laughs> As you could tell by those very, very subtle hints, today we are indeed going to be talking about a very special film. That, of course, being Daniel Craig's very last entry into the series, No Time to Die. And, oh boy, how long has it been since this film was announced <laughs> compared to when it was actually released? I can't remember, but I think it's maybe just just is just shy of the runtime of the film (laughs) (laughs) oh that is a low blow adam that is a low blow it's true come on everybody said it did you ever think you'd go and watch a bond film that was two hours and over over sorry two hours and 40 minutes oh i mean you weren't counting were you I was. I sat there with my stopwatch. I missed half the film, but it was worth it. I'll never pass an opportunity to be pernickety. So today we're reviewing half of No Time to Die. (laughs) Nah, jokes aside, this film was announced in... Well, you know, you know how it is with James Bond films. They always say James Bond will return and everything. And then, like, a year or two later, they'll announce the next film coming out. And obviously because of a certain virus doing its global tour of the world just now, this film was supposed to come out in 2020, wasn't it? April 2020. Um, I had originally planned to, my dad's birthday is around that time of year, so I'd originally planned to take him to the cinema to, for his birthday, and I was able to do it fi- a year and a half later. They said a, <laughs> a, a late birthday present. <laughs> Better late than never, to be fair. <laughs> Very true, that's what I said. <laughs> be grateful. <laughs> Well, in your case, or never. I guess that's what you were hoping. (laughs) So yeah, this was supposed to come out in 2020. And then, of course, they pushed it back because of COVID and everything. And, oh my God, they just kept going back and back and back, didn't they? Yep, they wanted that cinema release. Yeah, because, let's face it, every single film at this time was aiming for that sweet, sweet streaming release. Yep. (laughs) You know, whether it's Disney+, Plus, whether it's Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. HBO Max. Exactly. Yeah, who uses HBO Max? I don't know, American people. (laughs) Well, okay. I hear them talk about it a lot. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to our HBO fans in America. (laughs) We love you. Yeah, this film was, like, adamant that it was not going to touch them with a barge pole <laughs> it was like oh god streaming services don't be so crass It'll and you're like catch on. exactly you're like come on we just want to see the film it wasn't until october this year that this film actually reared its head and said okay now it's time to come out and you're like finally you felt as if you saw the same clip over and over again though people were speculating about the film what was going to happen <laughs> and everything it was just a bit of a mess wasn't it but eventually it found the time to die but before we dive into you know our views about this quite i was about to say it was on the tip of my tongue i was about to say iconic film but uh it's a film <laughs> It's certainly a film. I can say that with certainty. Oh yeah, 100%. It is a film. 
<laughs> Put that in the box for Christmas. <laughs> Chatting them, he says, it's a film. Five stars because they paid us. <laughs> And again, you know, not waiving the chance for any sponsorship, so let us know and we will edit this episode for a glowing review. But yeah, jokes aside, we have actually talked about the Daniel Craig films in the past, haven't we? We have indeed. Yeah, we've talked about from his gritty entry in Casino Royale to the less than spectacular spectre yeah like do you want to recap what we said about the films yeah so will i do will i do it in four words so basically the daniel craig bond series goes good bad good bad <laughs> we both really like uh, casino royale and skyfall uh, the first and third entries in the film. And we both don't particularly like uh, Quantum of Solace and Spectre, the second and fourth films. Mm. So it's been a very mixed bag with, with Daniel Craig. And I think overall, we both said that we overall really like Daniel Craig and his portrayal of Bond, but mm. there's just been some of the films around that have surrounded his character have just been less than stellar. So mm. it's been, it's been a, it's been a proper mixed bag for him, unfortunately. Cause as fans of the show will know from past episodes, you and I are also both fans of a particular portrayal of Bond. Mm-hmm. That, of course, being the one, the only, the Timothy Dalton, who brought like a lot more of a serious take on the character. And I think at the time, it wasn't well received because Bond at the time was like silly and... You know, he had all his gadgets and he was a womanizer and everything. And this kind of more serious take on the character definitely wasn't like a good thing at the time. But I think it's like aged a lot better nowadays. Or maybe I'm just getting more cynical. I don't know what you think, Adam. I think it laid the, it certainly laid the groundwork for, for this run of Bond without a question. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know if... I, you know, maybe this is a bit hyperbolic, but I don't know if we have Craig's Bond without what Timothy Dalton you know, started mm-hmm. off in the in the late eighties. So, like, I don't know. I, I still think it's I still think it's a divisive run. You know, oh, it's yeah. not everybody's cup of tea because people can people can be idiots and can't see the true genius of of, <laughs> of Timothy Dalton's portrayal. Um, but no, like for some people, it's not their bag, and fair enough. But I, I think certainly it's important. I think you have to you can't understate it's important certainly to what Bond became. No, absolutely. Because as we said there, Bond really wasn't... I mean, Sean Connery did have these kind of serious moments, but overall it was like quite a goofy series of films, wasn't it? It certainly became. I mean, like the first... Certainly the first two, like uh, Dr. No and From Russia With Love, the first of two of Sean Connery's run, are quite serious and like, you know, much more grounded affairs. And then kind of from Goldfinger onwards for the last four, it, it took a much more kind of like... I'd say ludicrous guy. I, I, don't, I don't mean that as, I mean it as a criticism for some of them, but like a more kind of ludicrous, like over the top tone that kind of set the stage for a lot of what was to come, you know, especially into the Moore era. I mean, the, there's lots of parodies, like you don't have to take our word for it. There's like, <laughs> you know, the parodies of the evil doctor, you know, hellbent and world domination, stroking his cat. There's like the evil super weapons, the lasers going up. Well, you all know the scene. I'm not going to explain it in detail. <laughs> but yeah, when Daniel Craig's Bond came around, he was a lot more gritty, a lot more Jason Bourne-esque, I would say. More serious. And it seemed as if, and I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this, but it felt as if he was a lot more, or he was a lot more serious at the beginning. But the more the films went on, the more goofy the Daniel Craig films got. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. I think it was that way that they... as much as like Casino Royale tried to break from and did actually in many ways break the kind of mold mm-hmm. of like a of kind of a Bond film, like it was almost like 
as Craig's run went on, they could, the filmmakers and producers couldn't help themselves but fall yeah. back into like the old kind of tropes. That's what we talked about with Spectre. You know, it kind of went back to that way of like ridiculous gadgets and like you know villains, like kind of your kind of classic campy supervillains bent on world domination, and that, that those more ridiculous elements did begin to creep in. So you're totally right. It's just like they 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 tried something new, but then you know the the mold was not to be broken. It was too strong. So I think Skyfall came out at a very particular moment in Bond history because it came out during its 50th anniversary. Is that right and saying? Yeah, it was the 50th anniversary. Because of that, there was like a lot of fan service in it. You know, there was a lot of like, you know, you had the Aston Martin, you had the gadgets coming back. So there was kind of some leeway for that. But when it came to Spectre, they started leaning more into that nostalgia. And personally for me, I felt as if that's kind of where the telltale signs were that they were going down like a slippery slope. For me personally, like I was not excited for No Time to Die when it came out but before we jump in and you know start either praising or you know tearing this film apart basically depending on the budget we're getting for (laughs) for reviewing this all (laughs) yeah you know spoilers guys it's it's nothing but (laughs) we're doing this for you guys when did you see this film first yeah so i saw this film a week or two weeks after its release towards the end of October. I took my dad for his belated birthday uh, trip. Yeah, so not not too long after release. I'm actually just trying to remember when I went to see it. It was definitely a couple of weeks after it came out because, and this is going to sound like a really weird um, reason, but I was actually up in Orkney. The, in case anyone doesn't know, the islands up in the north of Scotland. Beautiful place, by the way. Terrible Wi-Fi reception, but beautiful place otherwise. <laughs> now, jokes aside, you don't go for the Wi-Fi, but We were driving about, you know, amazing scenery and everything. And in one of the main uh, cities there that they've got, they've got a city called Kirkwall. And in Kirkwall, they've got a small cinema, which like shows like one film, I think one or two films a day. It's like, you know, one of these deals where it's like a cinema inside of a sports center inside of a (laughs) swimming pool. It's like a multi-purpose building, essentially. And we went in really excited because we heard that No Time to Die was playing there. We went into this rather, uh, well, rather unique uh, looking cinema. And yeah, I, I honestly, I enjoyed the experience for the film itself. I don't know how much I can extend that to. But you know what? Before before we give this film its last rights to die, will we, <laughs> will we listen to some messages first before we get into it? Let's hear what they got to say. Yeah, let's hear it. Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that talks about topics from gaming and films to streaming and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we discussed Game of the Decade, Deadly Premonition, the romantic thriller Birdemic, and listen to us get all sappy as we discuss our top five Christmas films. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, YouTube, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most Most importantly, stay hydrated. We are Beer and Chill Podcast. Podcast where we review TV shows, games, movies and whatever else takes our fancy. So what are you waiting for? If you're a cool kid like us, you're gonna listen to the Beer and Chill Podcast. You can get it anywhere from Spotify all the way to your grandmother's radio. My name is Jan. And I'm Craig E.C. And we are... Beer and Chill.
and thank you once again for those messages. So, yeah, let's do our usual, Adam. Let's start with the good, because... In fact, sorry, before we go on, I want to preface as well that we will be diving into spoiler territory. That probably comes as no surprise, since everybody else has probably dived in, like, you know, (laughs) gone for the jugular. Do you want to kick off with some of the good points? Because there is a lot to say or criticise this film for. (laughs) Over two hours worth. (laughs) I I can hear you, like, pulling up your notebook that's just filled with notes. (laughs) It's like, the good, page one. The bad, page two through to 100. But yeah, sorry, I'll I'll let you begin. In fact, sorry, before we go into that, like, what were your initial expectations of the film? So I was cautiously i was going into this cautiously optimistic because mm-hmm. um, i kind of i liked the trailer and i liked what i what i'd heard about the kind of direction of the film and i was interested to see how they were going to round off this series of bond so i was excited uh to see it so i went to, i went in like i mean i had seen spectre though so i i my expectations were lowered to an extent because yeah. you know I, I was like i'm not i'm not gonna get fooled again here but i was ex- i was excited i was excited to see what they were going to do i honestly didn't know what to expect to be honest because this film was like i wouldn't say it was marred in controversy i'm not going to be that dramatic but it certainly wasn't testing well from like everybody i was seeing online they were saying like oh what's this bond's getting replaced by somebody else and oh this and that and oh bond's this and bond's that you know the usual discourse isn't it like the usual discourse on well reasoned well argued oh yeah absolutely you know months of sitting in the bedroom studying wiki pages um and fan theories of course yeah just like myself but no jokes aside yeah i really didn't hear many just like initial impressions but i was kind of hopeful as we said you know the film or rather the film series for daniel craig's james bond's go good bad good bad so i was expecting this one to be good but after spectre spectre i'm, I'm gonna be honest it's one of the worst bond films i've ever seen it's terrible it's poorly paced it's just it's all over the place it's messy you know if you got that at a restaurant you would be sending it back <laughs> and saying what is a slop on my plate <laughs> I, I want you to come back with a well-prepared dish how dare you give me the slop? Give me some of your roast skyfall. Yeah, exactly. Roast skyfall. For the starter, we'll have some Casino Royale with cheese, you know. <laughs> but no, instead we got Spectre, which was just... It, it was a fan fiction. I'm sorry. I, I know we're here to criticise No Time to Die, but I have to get that out of the way first. So I wasn't very hopeful. I really was not hopeful about this film. But I have to admit, coming out of it, before we get into the details, I... I... I <laughs> It's a, it's it a, sounded like you were going to be positive there, then you were like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, cho- I choked. What can I say? I, I did choke on my words there. It's a film. It's got some really, really good bits, but then at times it's just unbearable. Again, we will pick apart the film. Don't you worry, Adam. We will get to that. I, I remember sitting coming out of it and I just did not know what to think. I sat there thinking, yes, I like some of it other bits I didn't like it. It's one of those Marmite films. You're either going to love it 
Well, no, in fact, no, sorry, that's a disservice to Marmite. It's not a film you're either going to love or hate. It's a film that I'm going to have a sore backside because I'm sitting on the fence about it. So, you know, without any further ado, let's just rip this band-aid off. Let's get into the good points of this film. What what did you like about this film? Let's get some positivity into this episode. So, yeah, before before I delve into what I liked about this film, I'll just give a quick, you know, as is, as is tradition now on, on Chats and Army, I'll, I'll give a, a short but terrible uh, summary of the film tale as old as time (laughs) and it's still as bad Um, (laughs) so no time to die in no time to die james bond is retired from mi6 and is trying to live a a life away from you know the hustle and bustle of international spycraft however he's dragged back into it and he's recruited by the cia to track down missing russian scientist who'd been working with mi6 and who has been kidnapped by a new nefarious villain who has his own plans for world domination and all that and as bond is drawn back into his old world of of spycraft he reunites with a lot of old faces including m money penny q and also madeline who he had been very close with before but they have suffered uh, what seems to be an irreparable break in their relationship and so the film is it's about bond not only trying to thwart the the plot of this new villain but also to in a way reconnect and repair his relationships because that's what we want in a james bond film the jeremy kyle version of james bond <laughs> It was certainly different, I'll give it that. Oh yeah, oh, 100%. But sorry for interrupting there, I just wanted to put that one last jab <laughs> in before we have to inject some positivity. Before we inject some positivity. So, when looking at the good of this film, I'm going to start right at the beginning. I really love the opening to this film. So the, the film opens, we zoom in on this house, which is uh, isolated by itself, we don't know where, but it's very snowy, and there's a, a young girl in there, and also uh, her alcoholic, pretty much like out-of-it mother, and not long into this film of domestic, uh, this scene of domestic tranquility comes a stranger who is dressed up in Arctic camouflage and wearing this very, very creepy doll mask. And he proceeds to kill the mother and then try and hunt down the girl. And yeah, eventually it looks like he's going to kill her, but he then he decides not to. And I thought it was really well done. It was really tense. And it was actually a really, really like, I thought a really excellent villain intro. I guess one of the best mm-hmm. ones I've seen in the Bond film. I don't think they quite paid it off, but still, I think if you're looking at that opening scene in isolation, I thought it was just excellent. Oh no, I totally agree with you 110% on that point. I remember sitting there thinking, don't get me wrong, I don't think the whole intro, like the bit after that's like perfect. Mm -hmm. So this is something I thought was quite interesting that they did with the intro because usually, and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong in this, but usually in a James Bond intro, they just have like the one story kind of scene. They never have any flashbacks, they never have any kind of segues or things like that. They always just have the Bond is here doing X, Y, and Z. Then something happens, then the plot commences, and, you know, the theme song goes on. For this one, they do start with the villain introduction, which I do agree. The guy looks absolutely terrifying. He's, like, lumbering through the snow. He's hunting this child, you know. There's, like, obviously this huge difference between, like, this helpless girl who, admittedly, she does get a gun. <laughs> does shoot back so fair play to her and then she falls under the ice and he saves her and that is fantastic you kind of do expect though it is going to be madeline though i'm not going to complain about that because that's like an obvious thing they're setting up but it's fantastic i do agree but then we cut to it's like later isn't it where and i don't know how much time's passed but like it takes place when bond is basically on his honeymoon phase <laughs> with madeline yeah. in um is it italy he's in i think it's i don't think it 
actually says, but I think it's Italy. Yeah, there's a real like lack of. I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, this is a nitpick, but there's like a lack of um, title cards yeah. for where they are. Like, I'm quite surprised because they, if they done that in past films or am no, I just remembering it wrong? Plaster all over, like in, in big letters, like where they're going, and where they are. Because I know technically, I don't think they do it in Skyfall. I think they do. Did they? I think because I'm sure it comes up saying like Shanghai and stuff and Macau and everything. I'm sure it does. Yeah, yeah, but for the old films, at least anyway, I'm sure they used to do it or something to kind of yeah. like tell you where they were. I mean, again, that's kind of a nitpick. But the one thing I did, and I know we're on the positives, but like I did like the fact that they did reference the past films. I feel as if this is something that they do quite well in the Daniel Craig films. Like, again, they mentioned Vesper, who, yeah, that that made me angry again because I kept thinking, it should have been you in this film. <laughs> it should have been you and not, not Madeline. We'll get, to, we'll get to that. But, yeah, it was, it was a great opening, you know. And then, of course, our coffin explodes as it does you know when in rome and then yeah there's a whole chase scene and basically all of the footage that we've seen a million times in the run-up to this but all the advertising he jumps off the bridge he rides the motorcycle but i must admit they are fantastic stunts like i don't want to be too facetious um, and say oh we've seen them a million times they're still fantastic but sorry continue (laughs) Well, that actually leads on quite nicely to something that I thought was a real, like, well, for me personally, it was a real strength of this film, was the action scenes. Oh, yeah. Because I, I I had enjoyed, I really enjoyed the action scenes that were in Casino Royale and Skyfall, yeah. but, like, with Quantum of Solace and especially with Spectre, they just reached a kind of ridiculous level that, like, kind of irked me. There's yeah. a particular one in, there's one particular scene in Spectre where James Bond and Madeline, Madeline Swan, his main love interest in Spectre and in, and in No Time to Die, they're in a plane and it ends up, like, crashing into like a hill and ends up like they end up like sliding down this mountain in this plane and i was like this is like roger moore levels of ridiculous now but i felt they really scaled it back really effectively in this film and i thought the action scenes were really well shot and actually had that kind of realism and that kind of punch to them there's one in particular there's about it's probably about midway through the film maybe just after the midway point where bond travels to norway to basically find madeline and he also discovers at this point that madeline has a daughter he knows that like the villain is coming after them so he he gets them both and he takes them away from the house but they get they get chased down basically and then they end up like their their car ends up crashing in this like forest in Norway and it's really misty and it's really atmospheric and I thought that scene was absolutely excellent because it becomes this like game of cat and mouse basically where like Bond has to like stalk through the forest like trying to track down there's like there's like about there's like three like Land Rovers like a bike a helicopter like all tracking them and stuff and he needs to like take them out and I thought that was just excellently done it almost had this like Jurassic Park feel to it as weird yeah. as that sounds to say mm-hmm. but like there's a bit where um, Bond is running with Madeline he's carrying the girl and all you can hear is this like roaring and this revving of engines in the background and I was like it gave me such like Jurassic Park vibes and everything just from like because it sounded like dinosaurs I just thought it was excellent and I thought it was really really well done so honestly like I was so impressed with, with the action there's not as much action in this film I think again it's a it's a result of it being such a like a, a long runtime. but there's probably less it feels like there's less action in this film than in other Bond entries but I thought when it was there I thought it was really really well done I agree 
I think the action was definitely a highlight of this film. And it kind of just like leading on from that, because of course you can't have action without the actors themselves. I actually have to admit, I really like Daniel Craig in this one. I don't know whether this is because, you know, it's his last film and he's just like, ah, screw it. You know, I don't think it was perfect, but I feel as if he was a lot more relaxed in this one, if that makes any sense. Like, he had a little bit, like, I'm not saying he's perfect, but he had a little bit more charisma and just like oh I don't care <laughs> what did you think of him in this one yeah like I, he didn't seem as bored like to me he looked bored inspector and it looked like he just didn't want to be there and, and as you said I don't know whether this is a result of being the last one but he did look more engaged and more you know and, and that certainly elevates his performance I don't really know how I feel about his performance I have to admit I didn't it's not it doesn't really fall into the good or bad for me it falls in that way of like I thought it was solid like I think he's done better I think his portrayals in Skyfall and Casino Royale are, are a lot better but I didn't feel it was bad by any stretch and I thought he played his part effectively so I, I think um, I know there's one particular character that you very much liked in this film and i think I, I can't i don't know the actor's name i have to admit but i thought she did excellently but i'll i'll let you talk about her is this anna de armas that's the one talking yeah, about... that's the one i was yeah her name. yeah i honestly thought you were talking about madeline swan's <laughs> <laughs> and i was about to throw down <laughs> just uh, stop record stop it right now <laughs> remember we're being positive here we're being positive okay okay <sighs> Sorry, I just got the meditation app yesterday. I'm still working through it. Serenity um, now. I'm only on stage one. Pay for the subscription, okay? <laughs> so yeah, Anna de Armas is fan fantastic absolutely dripping with charisma does her scenes like absolutely fantastically the only downside to her character like basically bond meets her character and apologies i can't remember her character's name off the top of my head um i, th- I think i was just in a trance of oh my god she's awesome but she plays this like i think it's is it a cia agent or is it like an yeah she's CIA, she's cia agent either that or she's like a contact i can't remember yeah i think you're right she is a cia agent yeah she pretends to be like a fan of bond and oh i can't wait to work with you and they end up in this like huge party scene and specter like our character is a lot of fun to watch like both in action whether she's shooting something or she's talking she was great my main gripe with her though is that she's only in the film for about 15 minutes yeah. and then they like it's honestly like you know waving a lollipop over a child's head and then after 15 minutes of teasing them just brutally snatching them <laughs> or sorry brutally snatching it out the hands and going no you've touched the lollipop that's it you can't get any more it's like but we didn't even get to you know see her in action elsewhere it's like no 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 you you you're not allowed this character anymore and it's just such a shame because she did such a fantastic job i honestly thought she was one of the strongest points in this film and by extension as well while we're on the topic of the cia i did like felix's return yeah it was good to see him back yeah it, it was quite nice you know seeing them return for the good old days of quantum <laughs> but no jokes aside it was nice seeing his character again even though he was short-lived as well both figuratively and literally because we get that typical fake out scene where it's like oh the good guy who's with him turns out to be a bad guy (laughs) and there's so many examples of that i guess tyron but i'm getting ahead of myself here i'm trying to think who else i liked the new 007 i have to say yeah she was good like i have to admit there was a lot of obviously controversy about the character because everybody thought that she was there to replace bond the way people were acting 
like I'll just touch on this quickly but the way people were acting it was as if she was gonna like undergo some metamorphosis into like James Bond and it's like no 007's the title of the job it's not the title of the person he wasn't born James Bond 007 (laughs) like but I I have to admit though I wasn't a big fan of her character and the like the marketing like I, I did agree to some extent I did feel as if she was a bit kind of abrasive in it but seeing the film it was the complete opposite I genuinely thought she did like a really good job and her and Daniel Craig had like a good I don't want to say chemistry but you know like good banter between them so yeah I I thought she did absolutely fantastic I I like Q as well Q was good I did like the fact we got to see his cats and the flat he's got (laughs) for the mortgage is it a flat or a house no it's a house because he's got a mortgage anyway I I like that like kind of slice of life moments I thought that was quite funny I didn't like him I don't know what was going on there I felt as if Ray Fiennes was like you know how you said Daniel Craig was like bored in the last one yeah I felt as if he was bored in this one he wasn't the worst of this film but he didn't give 110% like I don't know what was going on there like although one thing I will say sorry just before I ask what you thought I did like the callbacks to the older M's did oh, you notice yeah, that yeah in the pictures and everything yeah that was cool I like that I, I did you saw Judy Dench you saw um, Bernard Lee is it yeah that's the one yeah. yeah it's so good I thought that was a lovely callback because I have to admit I'm getting sick of seeing the Aston Martin if I have to see <laughs> the Aston Martin one more time I think I'm going to scream because it's like oh look it's the Aston Martin although to be fair he did drive off in the Aston Martin so you know what perfectly fine <laughs> perfectly fine like that that's serviceable enough yeah but is there any other characters you thought were good I did like the Russian scientist because he gave me like golden eye he gave me a Boris from golden eye like, yeah, vibes same. Yeah, I'm invi- <laughs> I was really waiting for that I'm invincible I'm, yeah. I'm kind of gutted he didn't say that or something words to that effect but he was kind of fun for what he was I agree with you uh, the um, the actor who plays in U007 her name is Lashana Lynch I thought she was really good yeah it was good to see it was good to see money penny and uh, q back again i thought they did well nice to see felix with it yeah with the m you're right in the like and i think it's i don't really think it's i'm not gonna lay this at, at ralph fine or ray fine sorry whatever his name is now where uh, lay at his feet yeah. i'm going to lay this more at the writer's feet because yeah. i think the character they were almost trying to go in one direction with the character but they kind of got cold feet it seemed at the last minute and he kind of reverted back to type so it, it feels weird and i think that's where the problems of that character lie but i'm sure we'll get more back into it but that kind of takes me into like i've got i've got two uh things here two more two more good points uh one's kind of a, a more minor thing and one's uh, a major thing so on the kind of minor i thought the cinematography was absolutely beautiful in this film i thought it was so well shot oh yeah amazing landscape shots especially that norwegian scene from this place is, is just beautiful and on a more on a bigger kind of scale i liked some of the ideas in this film and i thought there was really interesting material that they that they had and some really interesting ideas that they were kind of building and developing and i liked that i don't think they paid off i don't think they fully paid off but i liked the kind of themes and ideas that the the, uh, writers and the the filmmakers were working with as sort of as my last like good point i started with the opening and i'll end i'll end with the ending i liked the ending like i thought it was a very brave decision they made but i think it was the right one i don't know if you want to go into the ending now or if you want to save that for later Um, on i'll say i liked it yeah i won't like go into the specifics because yeah should we save it till the end We'll save it. Yeah, it feels fitting. 
I genuinely don't know how to feel about it. What I will say, kind of relating to the ending, I liked the callbacks to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Because I'm one of those Mm. weirdos that I have to admit, I watched it. And it's not the best Bond film by a long shot, but I actually didn't mind it. I liked the ideas in it. It's in my top five. I think it's amazing. I mean, I honestly, okay, fine. I can take the facade off now. It's like, (laughs) it's one of the best films. I'm like, oh, thank God. (laughs) You're in, you're in, you're in, you're in good company here. It's like, finally there's another <laughs> or is this like a is this like a trap we're just like we got another one <laughs> no <laughs> we found him because i do love the ideas of on her majesty's secret service like i think there's some silly ideas in that one like is that the one with the hypnotized woman in yep, it? That's the and one. the one where he wears a kilt right okay mm-hmm. that's the same one <laughs> okay there's some okay there's some silly moments some stuff of its time yes absolutely but one of the things that i really appreciate is the fact that it gives bond this vulnerability where he actually does find love for the first time really well not the first time but like in well yeah it probably was the first time during that period of uh, James Bond's character because let's face it Sean Connery was just a womanizer at best (laughs) and at worst something a lot worse but yeah let's not get into that yeah the, the idea was that Bonds in on Her Majesty's Secret Service finally finds love. He marries and everything, and he says that iconic line, "We've got all the time in the world." Which honestly, it's still like you know, it still makes me kind of emotional because I think it's such like a poignant line. Spoilers for the film, <laughs> just in case you haven't seen it. Like pause the episode, go watch it, and come back. Um, if you don't want to be spoiled, but basically, what happens is, uh, I think it's a Spectre agent, isn't it, or just it's, like it's a- Blofeld. It's Blofeld and his, like... Was it Blofeld himself? Yep. He's got his neck brace on and everything. He's driving the car. Oh, wow. I didn't know. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, it's like they shoot into the car and, of course, Bond survives because, you know, he's the the star of the show. And yeah, his wife gets, like, gunned down and killed. And that's how the film ends. It's brutal. You know, you think some of these, like, Daniel Craig ones are brutal. Oof. That is, like, the ending as the credits play out. And that's what happens at the very beginning of this film. In the very beginning, they say, we have all the time in the world. You know, like, something's going to happen. <laughs> something is gonna happen I, ju- I just know it I feel it in my fingers I feel it in my toes but Christmas isn't around me it's it's death that's what's around <laughs> me death and I, I was like oh god who's gonna die in this anyway I like the callbacks to it I'm gonna say I I would have liked it if it had a slightly different outcome but I'm, I'm gonna save that because I, 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 I know exactly the outcome you want <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to laugh Jenna, but I know exactly the outcome that you wanted to happen. Yes. All, all I'm saying is, uh, if he had like a one last embrace with his loved one, <laughs> and, 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 was a... Satsu, you're savage. Oh, right. Okay. Before we get into that, and before, you know, people say, like, what, what was he talking about? I like the ideas of it. And I felt as if the service bond as like a story for an older bond. Like, no offense to Daniel Craig, but it's like the kind of story that maybe would have suited Roger Moore as well. You know, that way yeah. where it was like maybe with less action, but it's like y- you could definitely tell Daniel Craig he's in his 50s at this point. And he, you know, he's tired, he's left MI6 and everything. And I liked the ideas that they had there, that he was just a tired 
agent. He still had it, but he was just a tired, weary agent. He just he didn't want to keep going, you know, like he had so many regrets and things. I thought that that was really well done. And like you said, I'm going to borrow your phrase, I didn't feel as if it paid off at the end. But with that, should we go into the negatives of this film? Let's do it, let's do it. I, I just want to say, kind of as I alluded to before, I think the tone of this film feels absolutely bizarre. As I said before, the Daniel Craig films have always been quite darker and grittier than some of the previous entries. You know, like, I mean, for goodness sake, in GoldenEye, you know, he had the magnetic watch. I'm just trying to think. Think of any, like, pre-Daniel Craig one. You know, you had the car keys that blew up in the Timothy Dalton. Even the Timothy Dalton one had kind of some sillier gadgets, but... You had Roger Moore putting, a like, a helium pellet into somebody's mouth to blow them up in uh, Live and Let Die. Oh, God, I hate that film. <laughs> just, it's one of the ones that is really tough for me to get through that film. Because there's just so much, you know, like the alligators, Sergeant J.W. Pepper. It's like, oh, this is just... Baron Samdy. Yeah, don't worry. We will get to those one day. We will definitely get to those films one day. Much to your displeasure on Adam's uh... um, secret displeasure. <laughs> I didn't quite understand what was... Not that I didn't understand what was going on. Like, I knew what the plot was. But what I mean by that is, like, it seemed as if James Bond has just completely regressed. And I don't know if that's because they're too scared to have grittier things. I mean, there is kind of grittier things. But this whole plot is basically focused around nanomachines that spread like a virus and kill people. And it, it seemed like this kind of, oh, world domination plot again, which is something we haven't had in a while in these films. I mean, the first one was about a card game and extortion. <laughs> they were manipulating stocks, for Christ's sake. <laughs> and things like that. Uh, number two, that was just a revenge plot. It wasn't the best revenge plot, but it was a revenge. I mean, they wanted to take over Bolivia. They wanted to take over Bolivia's water. Yeah, I mean, no offence to our Bolivian listeners out there, but like, I mean, it wasn't world domination. Uh, the third one, again, that was just like a revenge plot. I mean, there were some, you know, in Skyfall, there were some like plot holes, but you know, you could wave them off. Number four. Number five. <laughs> <laughs> number four did feel as if they were trying to have their cake and eat it too yeah because skyfall hit that perfect spot of oh we've got gadgets but they're not as fancy you know yeah. like they had the radio that called in the army they had the palm print gun which i honestly can't stop quoting every time i go into war zone and i'm like nine millimeter short and coded to my palm print then two seconds later i get shot but that's beside the point yeah you know they had that like sweet spot there but and then then inspect it was like oh we've got Blofeld back we've got Spectre we've got the gadgets we've got the Aston Martin we've got the scenic vistas you know oh forget Quantum because nobody liked Quantum they're all dead or whatever I don't even know what happens to them I think they say it's like part of Spectre as I've said before it's like it's middle management <laughs> of Spectre and you're like why why, why bother your scheme of yeah. Spectre and honestly I feel as a Spectre I can't believe I'm saying this because I was so hyped to see Spectre in a James Bond like a more modern James Bond film. They were the worst part of this like entire series of Daniel Craig yep. films. They were by far the weakest, the worst, the yep. moustache twirling villains. And they did not get any better than this. Like at the very beginning they somehow hunt down Bond in Italy and one of them's got like a bionic eye which Blofeld is somehow like Twitch streaming out of. And I'm like, what? 
And then, of course, they have, like, a big party where they put all of their, like, top men together. And they're like, not only does this feel like a bad idea, but the the location they do it is at Havana. Yeah. In this, like, place that structurally, I don't think many Havana mansions are, like, built to withstand attacks of any kind. (laughs) Never mind, like, a biological, or I don't even know what you call it, biological, technological, you know, the, the virus, let's say. Either way, that was not built for them and then somehow yeah the scientist you brought up earlier the scientist like has <laughs> oh god he manages to switch the samples so he kills all the spectre people and it feels as if that's just to tie a loose end yeah. you know because there's a scene later on where they go to see Blofeld and quite possibly one of the funniest death scenes ever literally <laughs> bond touches blowfelt which he doesn't realize but bond's you know touched the virus which has been passed on from madeline to him to you know blowfelt <laughs> literally they're talking bond's talking with this other agent and then two seconds later we get this yeah he turned around and it's like a monty python sketch isn't it yeah basically it's <laughs> like he turned around and it's like oh no bond's <laughs> not bond's dead but like uh, blowfelt's dead and he's just lying there like Ugh, I am dead. And you're like, ah, oh, why? I feel as if they just regressed into the old Bond films. And I, I feel as if that was quite... I, I, I didn't know how to feel about it because they set this precedent that, oh, we're going to be more serious and gritty and this isn't your granddad's James Bond. And then, yeah, I, I don't get what was going on there. I'm trying to think what else. The villain. Well, we talk about the villain. Like, yeah, I'll go with the villain. The, the villain was not strong in this one. I have to say the villain was well the villain was strong to begin with but then by the end of it it was like what was his motivation like his motivation was to take down Quantum but is that not like taking down a company that like is owned by Disney <laughs> well that's where he sort of then moves up doesn't he he's like yeah. right, I've taken out the graduate program now I'll yeah. take out the main company yeah then I'll take out Disney Plus then I'll take out Marvel <laughs> then I'll take out Disney you know he was working his way up <laughs> and you thought what what was your plan here. I don't think he thought past Quantum because all of a sudden, by the end of it, he's got his hands in one of the most nefarious biological weapons in human history. He's got this militia. He's got his own private island. Somehow on disputed waters. I'm going to come back. If I know, I'm going to talk about it now. Screw it. Why was it on disputed waters? Like I, I get for the end, they were like, oh, we don't know if we can fire the missiles on this island because it's in disputed waters. And it's like, why would you attract attention to yourself? Or maybe that's the point. They wanted to be like protected in that way, but the man built a Japanese Zen garden on it. <laughs> Did nobody from like the Russian or Chinese secret service look at this and go, "Yeah, this is a bit suspect." <laughs> Why? Why is he built it? Why has he got crates? Or you know, like, d- did no one attract attention? Oh yeah, I thought he was wasted potential. Essentially, I thought his potential and it was wasted. Before I go on about my major gripe about the film, I'm, I'm going to pass it back to you. Is there anything you thought? Yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll just like echo a lot of the sentiments you said. Like, yeah, the villain's wasted. Like, it's, it's a waste of, of of Rami Rami Malek who plays the villain. Like, his talents are wasted in this film. It's, mm. it's a real shame for having such a strong intro. He is just like it by the end it's just like you know stock supervillain who wants to take over the world with whatever MacGuffin he has you know nanobots but yes and especially since like that opening is basically you know he arrives with this gun and this creepy mask and it's like really it's a really striking thing he then just revolves into like oh we're gonna talk about you know we're gonna have talking philosophical but menacing themes while you know yeah. I use poison it just I don't 
know, it, it, it was a disappointment. Yeah, I agree with you, the tone as well, like, it does kind of, I don't know, it doesn't get a consistent tone. Like, I felt this kind of needed to be a, well, I don't know, maybe it's me personally, because I know not a lot of people don't like when Bond goes into this territory, but I felt this film kind of needed to be a bit more somber, and I don't, I, it was at points, but I don't think it quite hit that that tone, but I understand for a lot of people that was, it probably was too somber. So again, you know, you're, you're falling between both a rock and a hard place there. The Spectre was the most disappointing part of this film for me, because um, I think I said at the end of our, when we did our Daniel Craig retrospective, I said one of the things that I was excited about No Time to Die was that I thought they were going to kind of rehabilitate Spectre and Blofeld a bit, so I was really excited to see what they did there, and yeah, as you said, it was another waste. Like, why they were in this film, I don't understand. Why Blofeld? I thought there was going to be like a bit kind of like Silence of the Lamb style thing with Blofeld, you know, like a bit Hannibal Lecter, like uh, Clarice Starling kind of relationship between Blofeld and Bond, but nope, we got one scene and, you know, then five minutes later he's slumped over. So yeah, total waste. I think my big... I have one one kind of problem is I think this film's too long. Like, I don't think it drags. One thing I'll say is it didn't... I didn't sit there and be like, oh my god, please just end. But it's definitely too long. It really needs to be cut down a lot. My big issue with this film is, and it goes back to a good point that I brought up, I love a lot of the ideas they have in this film, but the film has a has a like desperate lack of focus. It really needed to take one idea that it had and just run with it. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, there's a lot of as I said, there's a lot of good things that this there's a lot of interesting ideas that are brought up here. So we have Bond's like personal relationship with Madeline and her child. That's quite interesting. We then have MI6's kind of shady activities and what are they doing? You know, and have they like you know have they gone to the dark side for lack of a better term? That's quite interesting. We then have the new 007 and her relationship with Bond, and that's a really the interesting theme and we then have the villain as well like you know there's, there's lots of interesting ideas but the film doesn't grasp any of them they're all just kind of hanging there they're dangling there like loose threads and the film just needed to grasp onto one of them and just pull it and just go with it and it would have made a much better experience I think I think part of the problem is this film had about four or five different writers so you can just tell lots of people are coming up with different ideas and then you know in the spirit of collaboration and cooperation they decided not, not to go with any of them <laughs> you know? they would just throw them all in and make a kind of very weak suit at the at <laughs> the end so that's my big disappointment with this film i just wanted it to take an idea and run with it it's a smorgasbord of ideas isn't it nice <laughs> it's like, i had to get that word done oh i'm proud of you <laughs> and uh, honestly thank you it is just one of those films that you're right it has so many interesting ideas like oh what's specter up to keeping up with the specters you know like <laughs> what what happened there nothing because they're all dead and it's like what you mean all of them yep every single one and those who weren't dead defected and is like what so you're telling me right that you got the legal rights after all these years to use spectre in your film and then the first chance you get you kill them all this is what you did <laughs> this isn't clindatu this is no, you don't. You don't just say like the only good specters a dead one and then be done with it. What? What would they like? This isn't something I usually say, and maybe I'm being a bit too critical. But what were they thinking? Because I, d- I don't know why then they included Spectre again. And you see the whole thing that he was live streaming from his cell through like a bionic eye or something. I I, I don't get that. I, I feel as if that's something that MI6 would have had a grasp on. I can't actually remember how was it his bionic eye that he yeah, was wearing. Yeah, it, it gave it gave gave me flashbacks to um that that game GoldenEye Rogue Agent. Yeah. The main character is a bionic eye. I was like, man, maybe there was a fan of that in there. He was like, I've always wanted to include a bionic eye. <laughs> James Bond, and now's my chance, damn it. But that's the thing, though. And especially, like, maybe to go in, like, a semi-serious point here... But especially in this day and age, of course, we are living in, you know, a global pandemic. And I think, obviously, this film was made after the fact. You know, it wasn't made, like, during COVID. I think it was made, like, long before... Yeah. 
So the idea of having, like, you know, a pandemic and everything going through the film, I I get that maybe they thought it was quite sensitive as well. I don't know how true that is, but but considering, you know, that plot point, I do agree. It it did feel as if they were quite cheery about it, I want to say. You know, it was like, oh, we gotta stop this virus, am I right, kids? You know, and you're like, huh. Um, there's a lot of quipping going on in this film. <laughs> you know, especially like with, because that's another thing it's like, Bond like goes to M and he's saying things like, you know you should have closed Project Hermes, or Hercules, or Heracles they call it, sorry, yeah. isn't it? Project Heracles, you should have closed that ages ago. And it's like, okay right, so what is it? And it turns out it's like a biological weapon that targets like specific people and you're like, then they find out that it mutates. If you turn touch someone else it spreads to them it doesn't kill them but it'll kill someone related it gets a little bit kerfuffly let's just say but like you think if they knew that in the lab like why would you continue this they're like oh it's a precise weapon and then later you find out in the film that all the people who went to visit the spectre people at the funeral also died and you're like huh so a lot of those people might be like running about with that virus then it felt as if it was tonally inconsistent because it's like that guy, you know, Boris 2.0. Yeah. The um, And I'm not meaning that to be offensive. Like, I genuinely, like, that's what he feels like. And I do agree. I, th- I thought it was disappointing they didn't say, I am invincible. <laughs> I-, I was waiting for it. I was like, come on, say the line. Like, see, at the very beginning, you get him obviously not, like, getting along with his colleagues. But then two seconds later, they get, like, shot in the face right yeah. in front of him. <laughs> can, I, can I say that? Like, yeah. Can I actually go into that bit? Because I think you're totally right. It totally, like, that scene completely encapsulates the weird tonal elements of that because his co-workers, one of them is played by uh, quite a famous British comedian called Hugh Dennis, who people might know from things like Outnumbered, Mock the Week, and he's in it. And then it's like, oh, that's funny, Hugh Dennis is here. And then there's a bit of quipping going on. You're like, ha, Hugh Dennis, that's funny. And then we fast forward five minutes later and Hugh Dennis is shot in the face. And it's like, it's so tonally like, wow. (laughs) Like, you know, it just encapsulates everything, like how uneven this film is. Because there's like another scene later on, and again, this is a heavy topic, which I feel as if it does dip its toes into the heavy topics, and then it pulls it right out again as if, oh no, too controversial. Yeah, there's a scene later on where he's talking with Lasana Lynch's character, and it is just bizarre. It's like, he's going on trying to like, I don't know, he's obviously going to be taken in alive, because throughout the film he's always like jumping from person to person. It's like the hot potato of this film. With them, Lynch's character, he's like standing there and then he does this weird thing saying, I can modify the virus so that it doesn't affect your race or something like that. And it's like whoa, what? we're going into genocide now. What? What is that? Obviously that's a very heavy topic for a James Bond film. Spectre just wanted to take over the world and like, I don't know, hire um, Russian women with blades in their shoes. You know, they didn't. <laughs> didn't want uh, well maybe they did I don't know I don't know with Spectre in this this world. isn't your granddaddy Spectre <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah this is the gritty you know the one where all the tentacles like you know slap over James Bond God, I hate that intro sorry that, that is actually one thing 
I didn't um, point out in the good part. The intro and the song, I loved it. Yeah, like, personally. It is one of the highlights of the film. Billie Eilish did a fantastic job with the song. It feels kind of criminal now I didn't bring that up earlier, but genuinely, fantastic. Absolute top notch. 10 out of 10. Better than Spectre? Like, I'd say the song for Spectre was good, but as I said in our last review, the intro, the visuals were not good. I would rather have DNA forming into a gun rather than <laughs> greasy tentacles going over and give me something Daniel awesome. Craig. <laughs> give, awesome yeah, give me, yeah, give me something James Bond, not James. I don't even, I am not a marine biologist. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on from that joke. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. Before we go into the ending, I have a gripe with Madeline Swan. <laughs> Just a gripe. <laughs> I could actually hear you raise your eyebrow there. <laughs> Just a great. I do not like Madeline Swan's character at all. And I'm going to preface this by saying I haven't seen the actress in any other role outside of James Bond. So this is like no offence to her. She probably is a fantastic actress uh, elsewhere. I think maybe it's to do with the writing. Madeline is like a plank of wood in the middle of the desert. You kind of think, huh, how did that get there? And then you move on. There is no charisma, no chemistry with Daniel Craig. See, this is the thing. In Spectre, it really irked me. Because you know you know how it goes in these films where he gets the girl, or doesn't like in Casino Royale. You know, he usually gets the girl and seven times out of ten, because you know how on Her Majesty's Secret Service ended. You know, like, he usually gets the girl. And when he doesn't, like, there's nothing wrong with him not getting the girl. But this time he really gets to get all by driving off into the sunset to get married and a vista and everything and i thought it was heartbreaking see when he goes to the tomb of vesper and you know he's like oh no he regretted like what happened i thought that was very touching and again like the kind of bitch inside me maybe i've been watching too many key dramas so i apologize <laughs> i kept thinking <laughs> It should have been her, not you. I'm going to. Like, I was devastated at that because they keep bringing up Vesper Lynn as if, oh, look at this, like, enclosed cinematic universe we're creating. And I'm like, no, you're just reminding us there's a better Bond girl out there. Or a Bond woman, sorry. But there's a better um, love interest out there. And you killed her off in the first film, <laughs> you animals. Because obviously the second film, I cannot remember who it was, but she was, she was actually all right. The third film... Obviously, the main Bond woman in that was um, Javier Bardem. <laughs> <laughs> and what a hunk. <laughs> but now, jokes aside, um, you know, that was more to do with, as you said in the last one, the relationship between M and Bond. So that that was more that focus. For Spectre, it's revealed that Madeline is the daughter of Mr. Grey? Mr. White. Mr. White. <laughs> Mr. Black, you know, Mr. Orange. <laughs> All the neutral colours. <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to be um, <laughs> Mr. Beige. He should have been called Mr. Beige for the relevance he brought to the plot. Anyway, Mr. Beige, as we were saying. God, this is like the worst retelling of Reservoir Dogs ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mr. B. Anyway, Mr. White, as we were saying, it's revealed that that's his daughter. Madeline is his daughter. And then Bond goes up, and then basically, you know, he does the old Tinder icebreaker by saying, Hey there, I killed your dad. Um, <laughs> Want to go out? And then he escapes with her. And you're like, Okay, fair enough. Let's go, guys. You know, and they go off into the sunset, and, you know, they get married, you know, and oh, it's good. But I don't think they get married. I don't, yeah, I don't know I don't if they do. They do. I don't think they do, but it's basically. Basically, it's not implied, but it's like 
as if they are a married couple, you know, they're living this lovely life, they've, you know, got the lovely clothes and, you know, they're oh, they're out and about in Italy and I think you buggers, we're still in lockdown. <laughs> but we're not now, but, you know, we back were. then, <laughs> we were. She's okay in the beginning, kind of, she's bearable. Something that annoys me is two of the big twists, one, that she's pregnant, and I honestly felt as if this was like a rom-com. So, you know in every rom-com that there's always that twist where it's like halfway through the film it's revealed that like the woman or the man whoever misunderstands like their love interests like meaning for something (laughs) so throughout the entire beginning she keeps saying "Uh, bond i have to tell you something and he's like getting shot (laughs) he's getting he got blown up he jumped off a bridge He's got um, tinnitus, probably, after exploding, so he can't hear, which, after that was a nice touch. Mm. Just props to the audio people for this film. Fantastic work. You know, he motorcycles up the... I don't even know what that was, but he motorcycles up. (laughs) Does an amazing stunt. You know, he's getting shot and everything, and she keeps repeating the line, Bond, I have to tell you something, which apparently was... I'm pregnant. That would have saved a good five years of not talking to one another, (laughs) can I just say? And it felt like a rom-com. I was like, this is the greatest rom-com ever. Because I thought, why didn't she say, you know, two words, I'm pregnant. That's it. Oh, it's all you have to say. But no, she continued. (laughs) She continued the charade. (laughs) Because that's the thing, though. He thinks that she's, like, you know, part of Spectre or quantum or still they're getting shot at so it's safe to you know assume that that's what he's thinking and you know she just she just plays into that and you're like uh, and i get that's probably for the plot and everything but in hindsight it's just dumb it's really dumb and what makes it more criminal and again i've been fanboying over anna de armas (laughs) but it's the fact she is so charismatic in comparison to madeline that when you see madeline it's like instead of going to like you know, like a sweetie shop, you take a wrong turn and you end up in a B and Q. <laughs> you know, like you end up in a hardware shop where you're like, I wanted ice cream. <laughs> Instead, I'm getting more planks of wood. <laughs> when will this end? You know, the sat nav to these Bond films is way off. But anyway, I digress. The point is, I do not like Madeline's character. I think at the beginning, it was interesting the way they set up her relationship with the villain and everything, because it turns out, you know, the villain saved her at the beginning. But the villain, like, never, and I think this is something you alluded to, it does not go anywhere with the villain at all. You know, he says he's got, like, a hate boner for Quantum. (laughs) Then he takes out Inspector, and he somehow gets the resources and the people to agree with this philosophy, (laughs) to lay down their lives and not think, huh, a chemical weapon? Or is he not gonna, you know, turn that on us? And this is what I'm saying, I was saying before, it's like this kind of pre-Craig James Bond, if you know what I mean. It's like that kind of, it didn't matter what the henchmen thought, the henchmen were the henchmen, you know, they just like drove the cars and got blown up and everything. But then that's the thing as well though, because you've got like a good couple of them who like are clearly (laughs) independent thinkers, and yet somehow they still get killed off in brutal ways, but I I did not like her character and the reveal that Bond and her had a child like what did you think of this personally I I didn't hate the idea because I thought this was a good film in terms of exploring an older Bond but I did not like see if it was and this is gonna sound terrible but see if it was with any other love interest anyone i would take christmas jones or whatever her name is. <laughs> i would take um dr good the cellist dr good i would take her <laughs> anybody else 
anybody. Yeah, it was Madeline that he had to settle down with. And I just think her character is just, she is the least interesting part of this whole series. As I said, like, considering we've got Lashana Lynch, we've got Anna de Armas in this film, both, like, women in Money Penny, who our actor's name is escaping me just now. Naomi Harris? Naomi Harris, that's it, thank you. Yeah, Naomi Harris. I knew it began with Naomi something, I was like, <laughs> what is it? But yeah, you know, you've got all these, like, really great actresses, and, you know, they're, as I said, dripping with charisma and everything. Really, so much fun to watch. And then you've got Madeline, and Madeline is just like, oh, you don't know the secrets that I hold, and you're like, gonna just spit them out then? <laughs> Because time is of the essence here. <laughs> Gonna chop, chop, Mad- uh, no, Madison. Sorry, I'm thinking of Heavy Rain. Madeline. <laughs> um, chop, chop, Madeline. But what did you think? I liked it in principle, but again, it's that thing of like, it's a it's a good idea, but it's just not fleshed out enough. It's just added into the mix. You know, it's just like, oh, here we go, he's got a child. Like, that should have been like a whole central thing in itself. And it felt like just another strand, you know, that this film was dangling around. So like, again, I love it in principle, but yeah, they just it's, it's just not executed well. And that's really the flaw, the big like flaw of this film. I think it just doesn't execute. Again, I like the idea of it because it is. It feels like it is like a bond at the last end of his tenure. Yeah, where he's like settling down and he wants like a more quiet relaxed life and things compared to what he's been through you know that would be good but the fact he's like the centre of everything in this but with the exception of the villain who again he's just not well fleshed out at all but it's just the fact that I, I don't know I, I just I don't know what to think and I think that's the problem there's no like as we alluded to before there's no definitive stances on this film especially with their plot lines it's like either you know oh we're going to be wacky here or oh we're going to be this or that you know there's no middle ground or no yeah. sorry there is a middle ground that's the problem it's like there's no like either this or that it's the yeah maybe but that, that's what i struggle with the most i think they didn't commit enough to certain aspects but before we get on to the ending can we touch on the villain like i'm curious to hear your opinion because sorry that was just a bitter diatribe <laughs> um yeah like as i said before like i just i think the villain is just disappointing he's just there for the sake of there being like you know a main villain like, he doesn't add anything to the film. Outside of his, he has a fantastic intro, and then it goes nowhere. It just rapidly, like, dissolves into, oh, I, you know, ah, I want to take over the world with, as I said, like, whatever MacGuffin I have this week. Oh, it's nanobots. And yeah, there's just nothing, there's nothing to him. And I don't know, like, Rami Malek is a really good actor, but I guess yeah. he's just got nothing to work with here. He gives a certain creepy, like, quality to the villain, but he's just such a generic milk toast villain that even when he's threatening a child's life, like, I really couldn't get that interested and worked up because especially like since he lets the child go the minute the child like child like bites him and he's like all right well you you can bugger off then now <laughs> it's just like well that's well that was a stupid move but anyway like yeah i don't know i, I there for the sake of there being a villain is what it felt like it uh, again it does seem like the mustached twirling villains of the old days doesn't it yeah it's basically it's a callback to that almost reminds me of like do you remember moonraker no oh, how could i forget where literally it was just a guy who was like I want, I want a space. What was it? He wants a space like society or yeah, something. Yeah, he wants rubbish. like his like perfect genetically pure like yeah. you know human race. Which was again, which was a rip off of um. Oh, what was the other one? The Spy Who Loved Me, which was incredible. But we'll get to that film one day, don't you worry, guys. <laughs> you guys listening at home. But yeah, it kind of felt like that. Like at the beginning, as you said, you only had this like really fleshed out idea of he's very sinister. He's willing to shoot a child, and then he saves the child. You know, it's very interesting 
interesting plot points and then it just goes nowhere. It fizzles out by the end of it. And they never really explain the mask, do they? No, not at all. Like, unless I'm missing something, so apologies. Anyone listening to this, feel, please feel free to let me know, but I genuinely don't remember. He's into, like, Japanese architecture as well. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a hard-on for, ja- for Japanese cultural influences. Yeah, because he's got, like, the plants that are, like, poisonous or something, and it's yeah. like, yay. <laughs> And that's it. I, I don't know why. I, I genuinely. No time to ask why. That, that should have been the title <laughs> of this film. Love it. Because <laughs> there's a lot where you're just like, I, I don't know why this has happened. <laughs> it's like, please, put me out of my misery. I, I don't get it. It just seems seems like a bit of a waste, but do you know what else is a waste? Oh, what? I was about to say the ending of that. No, I was about to say Madeline. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the romance with Madeline is a waste, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the ending, because you said earlier you really liked the ending. So for any listeners out there, please feel free to cover your ears if you don't want the end end of this to be spoiled. In the ending, Bond, of course, goes head-to-head with the main villain, you know, toe-to-toe, mano a mano, and then Mal like, he ends up crushing like this gem, isn't it? That's filled with nanobots yeah, and blood like, and things. Weird crystal type thing. Yeah, and then he touches Bond, and it turns out it's like the it's like the biological warfare equivalent of Cooties. It's like because he's touched it, he touches Bond, so Bond's got it, which means that if he touches Madeline, then Madeline's gonna die, and so is their child or something. And I think the implication was if he goes through life and touches other people and then one day there could be a possibility that they touch you know madeline and then she dies or something or the daughter dies or something which i'm i'm kind of, i'm kind of conflicted about because weren't all the spectre people infected as well or am i or am i remembering this wrong do you remember when they're all at the funeral yeah. For the Spectre people, and they say that all the family members, like, they had an open casket funeral for them, which was mistake number one, because they ended up touching, you know, the deceased, and they got the virus spread to them, and surely there's, like, hundreds of people out there who have, you know, got this now, because, you know, you think of the coroners, they... <laughs> everyone else you know even if you say oh it's okay because um can't even remember what it was it's like oh it's okay because um it's not coded to like madly yeah. dna that, that that first batch because it's coded to the specter yeah dna exactly the the thing that kind of annoyed me was with and you guys know what i'm building up to but basically the killing of james bond okay i i do agree with you I think it was a brave choice. I didn't know how to feel about it, though. Like, I was genuinely sitting there thinking, was that the right decision? Was it not? I don't... I I genuinely... I honestly, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I sat there thinking, it was good, I think. Again, what annoyed me more was the fact that Madeline was the one who got to drive away in the Aston Martin (laughs) unscathed, going like, let me tell you about a brave man called James Bond. And I'm like, how dare you take Her Majesty's Secret Service ending away from him? Your two most hated things, the Aston Martin and Madeline. (laughs) (laughs) Combined, yeah. Both survived. (laughs) Combined, that was nothing more than a seething husk, (laughs) gripping the chair, going, how could he? 
it just felt very defeatist. I get the idea that, see if this was any other spy film, you know, it would make sense. It would be like the heroic, tell my wife I love her kind of thing. Because <laughs> obviously it's going to be American. But for this, it seemed very defeatist. And I get he was obviously bleeding and everything. And Hugh's like, oh, there's no cure and everything. And Bond's like, okay. So it's like, okay. Like, I, I don't know if that was his way of getting out of child support or... <laughs> You know, because seriously, he makes no attempt to be like, well, why don't I isolate myself? Or is there any, like, you know, hope? And Q, I'm sorry, Q is a baby face 20 something or a 30 something, right? <laughs> Saying, like, oh, there's no cure. It's like, oh, thank you, Q. Uh, how long were you at Project Heracles? Uh, <laughs> how, how long? What was your work experience there? All oh, right, you weren't there. So, Tell me, how are you an authority on that? You know, obviously examine the DNA or whatever techno babble they want to go. I just felt it was very defeatist for Bond. Because Bond is one of those characters that he embodies this sense of, you know, I, I guess it's like the stereotypical keeping the British end up, as it were. You know, the stiff upper lip, the keep going in the face of adversity. We're never going to let, you know, evil succeed and everything. And in this one, he's just kind of like, I'm tired. Bang. <laughs> it's blown up, ironically, by the British fleet. And you're like... Is this the way you want to end? <laughs> like Again, it's an interesting take on it. Although I was laughing because people were saying, is there an after credit scene? And apparently at the very end, there's a James Bond will return. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, so this isn't the last James Bond, but it is definitely the last Daniel Craig one. He's not coming back. He's definitely not coming back. I was like, maybe he will come back. And I was expect like half expecting them to be like, you know the end of Dark Knight? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would it be like, I don't know, Madeline would look across a, <laughs> a table and see him. <laughs> just like, you know, like Nuts. wink as he raises the glass. <laughs> and that's when they would just cut to black. He's in a better place. He's with Vesper. <laughs> the girl we oh. should have been with at the beginning. I'm sorry, I really don't. Yeah, before we wrap up, what are your opinions on this? Because I have like, I've been ranting for ages on like my opinion on Madeline, but... I mean, with the ending, like, mm-hmm. I, I do, I get what you're saying, that it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And it's not a perfect ending at all i like it because i thought it was such a brave decision and i, I really admire that, that they decided to kill him off because also it feels like a natural end point and i kind of like the fact that this arc is going to conclude with this version of james bond's death because it doesn't daniel craig james bond doesn't really like fit into the rest of the canon in a way that like the other bonds were kind of interchangeable to an extent you know because it, it kind of it, it was all sort of broad enough that you could believe you know what however we want to like make it work but you could believe it was like one character while this james bond feels so because we see him from his like you know beginnings in the service to his end it feels like a separate thing so it it felt like a natural end for me i kind of like the way they tied it in it gave it some kind of emotional impact to me again it's not a perfect ending by any stretch but i i have to admit i did like it and i thought it was a very like brave decision and just on madeline yeah i i basically agree with you i don't want to be like mean to any i don't want to be critical to people and i don't know i i've never seen Leia Sadao and anything else so I can't speak to her acting ability but I really think like the failings of Madeline f- 
fall at her feet, unfortunately, because I don't think it's a case of the writing, especially in the, uh, maybe to an extent in Spectre, but like in this film, I feel like she is an interesting character. I just don't think she does a very good job in portraying it. So I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Dow, but I have to, I have to lay this at your feet, unfortunately. I, again, I want to like reinforce or like jump on your point there to say like, we're not trying to be like mean to anyone or say like, oh, they're the worst thing since Unsliced, but uh, I was about to say Unsliced Butter. This is what this film's done to me. <laughs> Unsliced bread, that's the term. Or unsliced butter, which you can buy your t-shirts at. No, I'm joking. But yeah, we're not going out to like attack anyone or be like, oh, they're the worst thing ever. Because, you know, like at the end of the day, the actress or actresses can only do so much. It's not... I, I do agree. I think they're partially to blame. But I think it's probably like... It's probably to do with the character. Because as you said, like, look at Daniel Craig with Bond and like Casino Royale, for example, where he's like cocky and smirking all the time you know he's got a lot of like character and a lot of energy but then by Spectre you look at him and he's just this sour faced <laughs> doesn't want to be there dad he's like son's recital kind of thing yeah. he's like oh I just want to go home uh, at least he's a bit chipper in this one but I, I, I just feel as if maybe if they made it a bit like the writing a bit tighter overall I think that might have fixed some of the issues yeah. I do agree though there's one point I want to pick out that you were talking about there I do think Madeline's character is better here than Inspector. I do agree with you there. Like, she has got more interesting, like, points to her. I just wish it wasn't, like, exposed like some kind of rom-com where it's all double-speak and, oh, you don't understand and the prom's tomorrow and all of this. You're like, come on. Like, you're adults. (laughs) There's people's lives at stake, you know? And you're like, oh, God. Props to Rami Malek for you know, having a trap door in his Zen garden. <laughs> <laughs> just because Bond tries to shoot him. Also, why did they have a pillow next to him to throw up? Was that just a spare pillow to sit or just in case, I uh, guess. Is that like a thing that the guards practice? Or <laughs> is that what you have to do to be an elite guard in his like inner circle? You have to shoot pillows in the air. Pass the dreaded pillow test. Yeah, is, is this like anti-quantum's like version of clay pigeon shooting? <laughs> or I d I don't know. Just seemed like a very bizarre scene. Or the one other scene before we finish off one other scene i did want to point out was the tea set and the aircraft oh yeah. i will admit that did make me chuckle like <laughs> although this home was goofy I, I did like that. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, are there any kind of final thoughts from yourself about this film? I would sum this film up by saying I don't love it, mm-hmm. but I don't hate it. I think it's solid. I think it it's average. And so for me, like sliding it into like the, the whole canon of of the Daniel Craig James Bond arc, mm-hmm. it's it's in the middle for me. It's number three. It's nowhere near as good for me as Casino Royale or Skyfall, but I do think it is better than both Quantum of Solace and Spectre. So I think an admirable attempt to. Wrap off a series with a lot of interesting ideas and some great action set pieces but just a, a serious lack of focus an underwhelming villain and too long length and just like an inconsistent tone kind of really detract from it i agree with that as well it's definitely the third best out of the Daniel Craig ones at least it's not as bad as Quantum or Spectre like I would say Quantum was boring it wasn't necessarily the worst one but it was just boring and it could have had a bit more I don't know energy to it or humour or you know like that. That that's for another day when we deep dive into that Spectre was an absolute mess as we've established Spectre was an absolute mess I feel as if this one does try to rectify some 
some of the issues. I feel as if having Spectre and things in it wasn't the best call, personally. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to try and poop on this film and say, oh, if you enjoyed it, you're the worst thing since unsliced butter, as we've established. But I do agree. I think that this is definitely the third best. It has a lot of nice callbacks. The On Her Majesty's Secret Service is nice. What I liked as well was the fact that I went to see this with my family. Two out of three of them aren't James Bond fans. So they they didn't pick up on the on Her Majesty's Secret Service like hints. So I thought that was quite clever. They managed to put in like subtle hints about what was gonna happen later on in the film. So I did. I, I liked that. I have to say, I thought that was really, really, I thought that was really well done. It is a sombre film. I would still recommend people go see it because despite its failings, like, it's not a boring film. Would you say you were ever bored in this film, Adam? No, I I would, I mean, there's a couple of points maybe where I was a little bored because mm-hmm. I, I do think this film is too long, but this was nowhere near, like, Spectre levels. Like, I didn't, I didn't sit through this film bored mm-hmm. like I did with Spectre. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would say it's not a boring film by any stretch. So I would definitely recommend it. Or I would recommend seeing it at least to round off the Daniel Craig series because it's definitely not the best of them, but it's it's by far not the worst. If you want to punish yourself that badly, go watch Spectre. Try and find a director's cut if that exists. I doubt it. I doubt anybody would be looking for that. But yeah, it's quite an interesting, and again, I'm throwing the puns into me, but it is an interesting swan song to Daniel Craig's run. Did you actually expect they would have pulled anything like that off like as in like just killing, killing him off. off yeah i i wouldn't have i mean i did wonder but i didn't i honestly didn't think they would yeah. to be honest so that was a that was a big surprise yeah no i'm the same like i'm not gonna pretend i'm one of these people like oh well actually if you watch specter you know no not at all because you don't expect them to kill off their title character so that was a bit jarring, but yeah, um, go see it, really. That, that's all I can say. If you're an orc, then go see it. <laughs> Shout out to Kirkwall. Awesome city. Or awesome place. I don't know if it count. Does it count as a city? I would say more of a town. More mean, of a town. City maybe up that part. It's more yeah. of a town, I think, anywhere else. Too. Yeah. See, this, this is how bad the film is. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about the technicalities of Orkney. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, probably more of a town, but yeah, I apologise to our Orkney fan base. We love you. Yeah, Adam, thank you so much for yeah joining me in this no time to die discussion. My my pleasure. It was it was nice to round it off. You know, it was nice. We we did talk about it when when we finished off doing our Daniel Craig retrospective. We're like, oh, we'll have to we'll have to review No Time to Die when we we both get a chance to watch it. So I'm glad that we we're able to do it. So next week we're going to be reviewing Call of Duty Vanguard, which was another one we've yet to <laughs> touch on. <laughs> Yeah, one day, one day we'll get to that. But yeah, no, that was true. And yeah, if you want to hear any more of our opinions on James Bond, if you look at our episode library, you can actually see our, well, our views on the Timothy Dalton films, which was a great episode, can I just say? Mm-hmm, I agree. Not blowing our own horns here, but great <laughs> episode. And yeah, our Daniel Craig retrospective, which of course discluded this film, unfortunately, because I don't think, I think No Time to Die wasn't out no, at the time, so we couldn't 
couldn't review it. So that was a shame when we're missing out. But yep, we have rounded it off, as you said. We're going to try and escape from this island before we get <laughs> horribly decimated. Oh, it's too late. No, <laughs> save yourself. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, but... Tell Madeline I think she's not very good. <laughs> I'm going to... It's like, do you, know... <laughs> do you know what it actually reminds me of? Just before we finish, have you ever seen Captain America? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know at the very end where it's like <laughs> he's crashing the Hydro ship? And he's like, yeah. I'm going to have to take a rain check. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost what it felt like when he was on the thing. It's like, no, James, you can escape the island. I mean, he could have dove into the water. I mean, there was a big drop, but I, I see your point. Yes. <laughs> He could have attempted. That's what I'm saying. Instead of doing the Captain America. Oh no, I'm going to have to take a rain check, Peggy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Madeline. <laughs> You're breaking up. <gasps> you know, like that. But on that note, there's no time to try and justify this. Yeah, that is the last no time pun. And yeah, as always, guys, thank you all so, so much for listening to this episode. Stay safe. Stay awesome. Stay hydrated. And yeah, go check it out.